Talking 24, the health and information podcast from NHS 24. Hello and welcome to Talking 24, the health and information podcast from NHS 24. We are Scotland's national provider of telephone and digital services, probably best known for the 111 service. It's been a wee while since we've uh, been here to record a podcast because it's been quite a busy year uh, and a very unusual year. Um, I'm not going to use that word unprecedented, but it really has been. And NHS 24 has been at the forefront of Scotland's response to the coronavirus pandemic. So um, just big shout out to all of our colleagues across all of our services for doing that. Um, the 111 service has been used as the telephone advice line for people with coronavirus symptoms. And we We've also been providing up-to-date information and guidance on symptoms, isolation, testing and so on via our digital service, NHS Inform. So if you're listening, you've got any concerns about coronavirus, is anything that you want to know about, I'd recommend that you go to www.nhsinform.scot. All the information that you could need is there. I'd like to say that's going to be the last word on coronavirus, but I suspect it's not because we're here today to talk about winter health. Um, Here we are at the beginning of December and um, along with coronavirus, we are also facing the possibility of all the usual seasonal illnesses, coughs, colds, flus, winter vomiting bug, which I have to tell you, I don't actually know what that is. Hopefully we'll find out in the next few minutes or so because we're joined by NHS 24's Associate Medical Director, Dr Anna Lamont. Hi, Anna. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. I don't have winter vomiting and as far as I know, I don't have coronavirus either. Well, that's excellent on both counts. We'll come back to winter vomiting bug in a minute because like I say, I don't actually know what it is. Um, We should tell people that we are both working remotely, aren't we? Both working from home and this has been recorded on Teams. So if you suddenly hear the doorbell ringing, it's probably an Amazon delivery for one of my kids. <laughs> Either that or the uh, Amazon at my door as well, actually. I think we've got a succession of Christmas parcels arriving. Yes, working from home, following the guidelines. Yeah, it's um, it's been an interesting year and we've all had to learn to adapt um, uh, to working in different ways. And thank goodness for technology. Um, because uh, we can see each other uh, and it's not like just just a telephone interview. So thanks for joining us um, to talk about, as I mentioned, winter ailments. Um, We are obviously in rather unusual circumstances because the threat of coronavirus, although we do now have a vaccine, isn't going away anytime soon. So there's even more impetus on us to look after our health and well-being, isn't there? Yes, very much so. I mean, we've all been very focused this year on one particular illness. And it's important to remember that actually staying healthy isn't just about staying inside and staying away from other people. We're all concerned about our families, but a big part of this is about actually staying in touch with people and being able to have this kind of conversation over teams is a big part of staying healthy and staying sort of mentally healthy and saying hello to people, giving people a call, maybe getting in touch with people you haven't been in speaking to for a while, giving family a call. Yeah, I was going to touch on that, actually. That was going to be my first question, because um, we're, we're hurtling towards the winter solstice. The days continue to get shorter and shorter. And it's this time of year when people's mental health can can normally take a, a little bit of a downward turn. We can feel a little bit gloomy. Um And, you know, people are affected by seasonal affective disorder, for example. But I think this year in particular, people are feeling it even more so, aren't they? So, 
what can we do to look after our mental well-being if we are feeling a little bit gloomy in these dark winter days? I think it's important that we all recognise this has been a difficult year for all of us. And isolation is a big part of that. For some people, the isolation will be harder than others. They won't have close families. They might not have people that can be in touch so easily. And while the winter blues, some people will also actually have the more worrying seasonal affective disorder Mm -hmm. and actually find themselves really, really struggling on a day-to-day basis. It's important to know that there is still support there. 111, NHS Inform, your GP, all these services are still open. And if you really are struggling, there are people there that can help. NHS Inform does have self-help and there are guides there for how you can access services that are close to you. But a big part of this is actually getting in touch with people, speaking to people and realising that you're not alone with this. Yeah, and I think if if you are somebody fortunate enough to be mentally well, it's perhaps thinking that not everybody's in that same position and, and reaching out to other people. Um, just just saying hi to your neighbours, for example. I, where I live, I've got elderly neighbours on either side, one of which is a widower, and I deliberately go around and see him at least once a week. I stand back because, you know, obviously you have to still observe the social distancing, um, ring his doorbell, stand back, have a little bit of a natter with him. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be through technology. You can And you can still meet people outside. You know, remember that you can respect the social distancing um, and it's perfectly safe to meet people and we'll have a sort of walk in the park or walk around the block. And the other thing is taking a bit of exercise, getting yourself outside. Scotland, it's always been difficult to get your vitamin D. And in fact, even before COVID, it is actually recommended those people that don't get enough sunlight you do consider something like a vitamin d supplement and it is something perhaps worthwhile considering now and that is in line with the guidance trying to get outside for a bit of sunshine there was the very formal medical benefits in terms of vitamin d but really there's also that well-being effect of getting outside and seeing a bit more than the four walls that were under the computer screen that we're seeing at the moment um the last time we spoke um in, in, in a podcast situation, we were talking about the difference between a cold and a flu. Do you remember that? It's really interesting because at the time I was I was talking about doom and gloom about the risks of a pandemic and mutations. That's right. <laughs> and I have since reflected on that and thinking it was rather prophetic. Um, I suppose the good news is, is that this uh, illness is not quite as dangerous as we were about a pandemic flu. Um, the downside, of course, is that it's taken a good year for us to develop a vaccine, which is incredibly quick and faster than any vaccine development in the past. But of course, it's still taken some time and it will still take some time for that to be rolled out to the majority of the population and it to be effective. During that conversation, we were talking about ways that you can protect yourself from both a cold and a flu. And now we can obviously include coronavirus in that because they all, although they're very different, they do share similarities in terms of how we can protect ourselves, don't they? Hand washings, sneezing into a tissue, for example. Absolutely. You're right, Lisa, that protecting yourself from flu and protecting yourself from COVID are very, very similar. It's about actually covering your mouth when you're um, coughing or sneezing, washing your hands. And it's all, we do tend to think about masks and social distancing. It's really important not to forget about washing your hands. Actually, that's one of the really big parts that COVID has demonstrated to us, that hand-to-hand transmission 
Um, we're now all using contactless, trying to avoid using coins. All of these things that help reduce the risk of transmission of COVID also help reduce the risk of transmission of flu. Yeah, it's all about um, looking after yourself in advance. What about this winter vomiting bug stuff that we keep hearing about? It's, it's officially called norovirus, isn't it? Um, why does it? Why does it? I mean, I, I understand that the um, the effects of that can be somewhat unpleasant, but why does it come around in the winter? That's a good question, actually. I mean, norovirus is a highly infectious gastroenteritis, and it's a virus the same way that both flu and COVID are, and it's transmitted in much the same way, hand-to-hand. Thankfully, you don't sneeze um, norovirus winter vomiting because that really would be dangerous. Um, so it is mostly around hand-to-hand. So if you do wash your hands, actually, you are also helping prevent norovirus spread. Why is it spread more at winter? It does seem to go in waves, and a lot of it's down to actually being inside people actually and spending more time with each other. Um, plus, of course, the viruses do survive for longer on colder surfaces. So in, when viruses dry out, they, they don't survive. So generally speaking, viruses will survive on surfaces a bit better during the winter. Oh, I didn't know that. I wonder if now that we're all much more vigilant um, because of the pandemic around our hand washing, I wonder if that will have an impact on those um, more frequent seasonal illnesses like colds, flus and, and norovirus. Yes, I like the use of the word frequent because that's exactly what happens with norovirus. Um, but <laughs> um, it, you're right. I mean, it, it's a question that we've been asking about whether all the precautions we're taking will have an impact on winter. It's a bit too early to say whether that's the case. Let's hope that it is. We, at the moment, we don't really know. This is unprecedented times, as you said. <laughs> that word again. Um, so you mentioned before vitamin D, and I was going to say at that point, if you want to find out any information about how uh, vitamin D could help you, your pharmacist is, is probably a good resource. Um, and I know that is as part of the NHS 24 NHS Scotland Winter Health Campaign, which we'll come to in a second, we, we talk about using the pharmacist uh, as a good community-based resource. Um, as a GP, would you support that? Would you, would you say that a pharmacy, a community pharmacy can help with a lot of this winter stuff? Absolutely. People need to remember that pharmacist is a highly skilled and professional and has those many of the clinical skills that would be seen if you went to go and see a GP. You know, the pharmacist can advise you not just on simple medicines, but actually if there are, you have concerns um, about infections, about things that you think, well, maybe I do need to see a doctor, the pharmacist can give you that advice. There's also a really big range of pharmacy first medicines. This is whereby the pharmacist can actually effectively prescribe you something that you might have originally needed to go and see a GP about. The most obvious one is a urinary infection. If you're a woman and you think you might have got a urine infection, um, you can go and see a pharmacist and get an antibiotic for that. And that is often going to be far quicker than going to see a GP. It may not be for everybody. Um, and sadly, if you're a man and get a urine infection, you will need to go and see a GP. Why is that? Um, men's 
tubes are a bit longer and more complicated. <laughs> we'll leave it there then and move swiftly on. Um, I mentioned the Winter Health Campaign. This is all about winter health preparedness. And this year we've taken a very slightly different approach and uh, we've taken the idea of clap for carers. And instead of clapping for NHS workers, we are saluting members of the public who take a few simple steps to protect themselves and their loved ones and prepare for winter ailments. When you prepare for winter, you're not just helping yourself and your loved ones, you're helping our NHS. By checking your repeat prescription, ordering only what you need in plenty of time, getting winter health advice and medicines from your pharmacist, and using our NHS-informed self-help guides, you're playing a vital role in keeping us all healthy. This winter, show you care. Prepare. Look out for the advert on television and you'll also hear it on the radio. And uh, if you use social media channels like Facebook and Instagram, uh, you might see the advert pop up on there. Um, hopefully it'll serve as a, as a gentle reminder for you to, um, if you if you rely on repeat prescriptions, to make sure you check that you've got enough, especially with, with um, festive holidays around the corner when we'll see services uh, opening times altering a little bit. It's a, a long weekend, the way that, that Christmas falls this year and, and, and the Hogmanay holidays, actually, they both fall at a weekend. Um, so we'll have four days where opening times will vary. So if you do rely on repeat prescriptions, it's definitely worth checking that you've got enough, order only what you need, of course, and in plenty of time. The adult there also mentions um, over-the-counter medicines, um, at-home remedies, call them what you will. Um, it's it's quite helpful to have them in because although myself and Dr. Anna Lamont have been talking about how to avoid winter ailments, um, there is uh, almost an inevitability that at some point you'll get something. Um, so, Anna, what, what would you recommend folks having at home should they fall um, to one of these nasties that we've been talking about? Thank you. Well, I think the most important thing is having some really simple home remedies, simple things like paracetamol, both adult paracetamol and children's paracetamol. A lot of people are quite dismissive about paracetamol, but can be really useful for pain relief and also for fever. Um, and it's really safe for the vast majority of people that will take it. So it's good to have around. Ibuprofen is also helpful, particularly useful for sort of if you sort of aching joints or headaches, particularly with ibuprofen, it will be helpful. And, and making sure that, you know, having the simple things like plasters and simple dressings at home will help. Certainly, if you're going to be sort of falling and bumping yourself um, on ice, have something that you can, um, you know, cover a graze with. Um, and do remember that you, if you are stuck for what to do, there's always the self-help guides and home remedies on NHS Inform. It's um, a little known fact that the 111 service sees an increase in calls um, about bumps and bruises and grazes and things, usually on Boxing Day, um, because kids get new bicycles, they get skateboards, um, they get rollerblades, all these types of things, and obviously try and get out as soon as they can. So we do tend to see an increase in um, calls about those kind of minor in, minor injuries. So that, that would support your argument that we should have things in to, to treat those kind of injuries in at home. It is absolutely, Lisa. One of the things about actually when it's really icy, particularly if you're elderly, is that risk of falls. So really take some care this year. You may not have been out and about quite as much as you've used to. So the better if you can um, go out in groups and maybe just take a small trip around your garden first before venturing out onto slippery paths. <laughs> 
that brings us back to sort of where we started, isn't it? About looking after each other and looking out for one another and um, both our mental health and and we're now talking about our, our physical well-being. It is. And actually, one thing that's going to be difficult here is, is it's very hard to support somebody if you're trying to respect two metre social distancing. Um, so just have some thought about whether actually that trip outside is the right thing to do. And if you're lucky enough to have a back garden, maybe just take a trip out to the back garden. Make sure you're OK first. NHS Inform is our health and care information website, Anna, and I've spoken to our colleagues who who run that site for us, our digital colleagues, and um, they have told me that one of the things that gets searched for a lot at this time of year is chillblains. Now, I don't actually know what chillblains is or are, um, and, and, I, and I, I don't know why they come at, at winter. What are they? Um, who are they more, more likely to affect and what can we do about it? Well, I think chillblains are one of these things that people think is a Victorian or historical condition that they might read about in books. Or yeah, I think my granny had it. I think that's probably why. I, yeah, I think it's a kind of old fashioned thing. It is. and It probably is before the days of central heating and big warm boots. So chillblains is essentially when small areas, usually on the fingers or the toes and most likely, just get really, really cold and you get, when you come in from the cold, that they don't warm up properly and you end up with these small, red, sort of itchy spots, usually just on the tips. Um, and they can be really quite itchy and irritant. And it's really from an area that's got too cold and stayed too cold um, so the best way really to avoid something like this is keeping your feet warm, wearing good boots, wearing thick socks and just being aware of it. You know, if, you can, if you are going to go out and do a sort of big hill walk or something like that, wear the right equipment, don't decide to go on, on trainers and um, mm-hmm. you know, loose light socks. Um, and really it's, it's something that anyone can get. Some people are more prone to it than others. It's not dangerous. You know, this isn't going to be gangrene, your toes aren't going to drop off, it might be a bit sore. They usually clear up in about two or three weeks. It's almost like thinking of it like a cold burn and an area that can just get a bit cold and a bit itchy. They're not very nice, um, but they can be prevented. Oh, okay, right. Is it the same as Raynaud's? syndrome is that is it the same thing because that that affects your fingers and toes too doesn't it and I know that can be really quite painful it is and I'm speaking personally here because there's a bit of me that dreads the winter because I know that my hands are going to be absolutely freezing and it's that embarrassing moment that you come in from cold and your fingers are completely white and you, you look very very odd indeed and it can be quite sore but they are very very different Chillblains is a small area, itchy red, whereas Raynaud's is where the blood supply to your fingers and sometimes toes is a bit over-enthusiastic about treating in the cold and it restricts the blood flow into your fingers or your toes and your fingers and toes go absolutely white. And as they warm up, they go through funny blue colour and eventually red and they can be quite sore and tingly. So what can you do about it? Well... Once it's happened, it's a bit late. And actually, the key thing from then is to get into the warm, slowly warm your hands. Don't put your hands onto a burning hot radiator and to burning hot water because you won't have normal sensation and you could, in fact, actually burn the skin and make yourself actually worse. Let them warm up gently and slowly. Best thing you can do is prevention. Get some decent gloves. 
Personally, I would get some glove liners. You can get glove liners that go inside gloves or actually just use something like a hand warmer. They're a bit old fashioned, just like chill blends. These hand warmers now, you can get even modern USB rechargeable ones. So <laughs> keeping your hands warm. Using technology to help with an old fashioned, an old fashioned condition. I think there's a charity as well, Raynords.org, I think, that can offer lots of help and advice for people. Because I know it's one of those things that people can get it in quite a mild form, but they can also get it quite severe, can't they? Yes, the condition I've just been speaking about is primary Raynaud's, which affects about 4% of people. Um, it was actually described about 160 years ago. So this has been around for a very long time. Um, there might be modern remedies, but it's been here for a long time. There are also Raynaud's syndrome. It's actually to do with medicines you might be taking. Sometimes there are some underlying um, arthritis-like conditions. And smoking can make it worse as well. So if it is something that people are getting actually all the way through the year or it's something that's causing you know, a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty, then it is worthwhile having a conversation with your GP because there might be something that you're taking or there might be something that needs a bit of testing. But for the vast majority of people, it's an inconvenience and it's not very nice and it goes away. Okay. It's the... Um the equinox on the 21st of December. Um, so if you're listening to this before then, that's something to look forward to. If you're listening to this podcast after that, I can tell you the days are starting to get longer. Um, uh, incrementally, in fact, I, I did look actually on a website because I get kind of a bit obsessed with the winter equinox. That on, on December the 22nd, we gain 0.04 of a second extra daylight so it's it's better you won't notice that <laughs> make sure you get outside for that 0.04 second then <laughs> yeah absolutely but I suppose the, the point of that is that we are not through the worst of winter by any stretch of the imagination um you know we've got a good two or three months yet although we will be you know slowly edging our way towards spring and and hopefully the the end of these seasonal ailments um it is worth bearing in mind now um to, to protect yourself, think about the things that, that Anna and I have been discussing and make sure you've got those remedies in at home just in case you do um, fall prey to any of these seasonal illnesses. Any final thought from you, Anna, before we say goodbye? I think it's important for everybody to look forward. We really are in the darkest part of the year and we've been through some pretty difficult and, let's be honest, some dark times. We're not at the end yet, but we are actually looking forward to a bright new year. And we are still going to have to respect the physical distancing, the masks, the hand washing for some time to go. But, you know, there is a vaccine on the horizon. We are actually now probably more health aware than we've been for most of our lives. And I hope that out of this, we can all be more aware, we can take a bit more care of our health. And perhaps things like winter vomiting and flu, these things by taking those small extra precautions and being a little bit more careful, we can actually help everybody in the future, not just this year, to have a happy and healthy Christmas and New Year. What a really positive way to end our conversation today. Dr. Anna Lamont, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your advice and um, giving us some excellent tips about looking after ourselves and our friends and our loved ones this winter. Thank you very much. Um, hopefully we'll speak again in the very near future for another episode of Talking 24.
If you're interested in following up any of the, the things that Anna's been talking about today, perhaps you want to know more about what your community pharmacists can do for you. And perhaps you're interested in finding out what services are available in your local area, then you can find the links in the notes to this podcast, or you can simply go to nhsinform.scot. It's a great resource, loads of helpful self-help guides on there for you and um, Scotland Service Directory amongst other things. So yeah, check out NHS Inform. It's the health information service from NHS 24, so I'd highly recommend it. That's it from today. Hopefully we will um, be here again in the not too distant future for another episode of Talking 24.